Welcome, everyone. I'm Grant Hill. If I have not met you, I know there's some new faces here. I'm the associate pastor for the Garden Gathering, and uh, it's my honor to be up here. Um, I want to build in the Word here this morning, so if you have your Bible, let's go to Jeremiah 17. <coughs> Pardon my voice. Jeremiah 17, we're going to start in verse 5. And uh, last week, Brandy talked about a story in Second Kings and the faith that they saw no rain, they saw no dew, they saw no clouds in the sky, but yet the Lord filled the wilderness with water, so much so that there was almost like a lake that the enemy saw. It wasn't just a stream or a creek. It was a filling, an infilling, so much so that they were told to dig ditches so that God would fill them. And the water of the Lord is the restoration. It is also the beginning of something new. It makes right the past and brings you a promise of the future. The well of living water that Jesus is, it springs forth. And when it springs forth, it heals your past and gives you the promise of the future. That is the good news of the Lord. He is the restorer of former desolations in your life and doesn't just fix them, but gives you an inheritance that starts today. He is the testator of his own will, it says in the New Testament. What does that mean? It means that there is an inheritance that is released when somebody has died. That is the natural way. You don't get your inheritance until someone has passed. But Jesus has passed. He was crucified on a cross. Because of our sin, we nailed him to the cross. We killed Jesus. But he turned around and forgave us and said, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. And I forgive them. And those that will believe on that sacrifice receive the inheritance of the Father's will. Because the Father sent His Son not to condemn us, but to save us. He sent His Son not to point fingers at us and say, you're a sinner. He sent Him to save us from that sin to put a blood upon it that atones for it. That means buy it back. That means redeem it because you have been lost, but now you can be found in the Father. Why do I say the Father? Because he is a family God. He created the family. He wants families. The way that it looks in heaven is how it looks in the home. That's supposed to be the example. The bride and the father, the bridegroom and the bride together Intimacy creates the children. And when our hearts as the bride of Christ truly open up and are vulnerable to the Father, that intimacy births the sons of the living God. That's you and us. That's us. He is the Father. He is the Father and He wants a family. 
He's not building a business. He's building a family that does the kingdom of heaven. And the inheritance of this kingdom gets passed to its children. But somebody has died. His name is Jesus, and so now he can be the testator of his own will, and he can give it out now. You can step into that inheritance now, not just when you die, but because Jesus has already died for you. You don't have to taste death. He tasted it for you, so the inheritance is released. But many children don't want it now. Many children say, I'll wait for later. I'll go through the testing now because I think that's what you're telling me to do. And there are trials and tribulations, but they're not from God's hand to curse you or condemn you. Trials and tribulation are from the enemy that wants to take away your inheritance now. Wants to take your inheritance now. So why do we sing, why not right now? Why not right now? I guess we're not going to Jeremiah 17. We're going to Luke. We're going to Luke 6. So put a tab on that. This is the Beatitudes according to Luke. Luke 6, 20. Then he, Jesus, lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Who is he lifting his eyes to? The lost or the saved? The saved. His children, his people, his disciples, those that say, I will follow you wherever you will go. Don't sing the song, but I will follow you wherever you will go. His disciples, I will, he is looking upon them and he says this, blessed are you, poor. It's poor in spirit. When you feel like you have to have more, when you feel like I am impoverished in my spirit, I got, there has to be more. I am not content with my spiritual state. You can be filled up full with the Holy Ghost and still hungry for more in the spirit. You can still have a impoverished hunger for God and you've been filled up five minutes ago. Blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of God the inheritance. 21, blessed are you who hunger now. Why not right now? Blessed are you who hunger now. Right now. For you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now. That's an intercession. That's a spiritual weeping. This is the spiritual side. These are those that understand the spiritual realm. This is John 3 in a nutcase. That if I tell you physical things and you don't understand, how can I tell you spiritual things? If you don't understand spiritually weeping, how can I describe it to you? But if those who weep that really understand it, for you shall laugh. And blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you from their awesome parties. And they exclude you from those football games. And they exclude you because you're a Christian. And you can't be seen around. And you probably don't want to know. And you probably don't want to see us. Blessed are you when they exclude you. That's just the simple things. Blessed are you when they exclude you from buying and selling at the end of times. Blessed are you when they say you will not have this or you shall die. Blessed are you. 
and they revile you and they cast out your name as evil. That's gossip for the son of man's sake, saying they're doing it in Jesus' name. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward in heaven is great. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich in the natural now, for you have received your consolation today. And woe to you who are full. That means you're spiritually content today. For you're going to hunger. And woe to you who shall laugh now. This is talking about the physical side and not having understanding for the spiritual. For you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when all men speak well of you and you want it. And that's the fear of man that is satisfying your soul and not the truth of what's happening in the spirit. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. So let's go to Jeremiah 17. And let's build here. We will come back to Luke 6 as well. But Jeremiah 17. I'm going to start in verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. In, in other words, it's a lonely place. It's not filled with the family of God. If you've ever drove, if anybody drove to California, you'll go past places that are just parched land that not even a shrub lives in. But yet, someday, somewhere, sometime, somebody decided, I'm going to live right there, and there's a house in the middle of that land. Somebody's great-granddaddy said, this is my land. And I always think of this verse. I don't know why. But when I read this verse, I think of those people out in the middle of Arizona in a house in the desert. Because it seems so lonely. And it seems like a hard working by the strength of your own hand. But I praise the Lord. I hope that they are all saved and they know Jesus and he's sustaining them through it all. But this is what I think of. A shrub in the, in the salt land. All by itself. Not connected to the family of God. Because you're going to do it your own way. You're going to do it your own way. Seven, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. We understand this. Here in Texas, where are all of our trees? Where's the forest of trees in West Texas? Right by the creeks. Right by the rivers. Oh, filled full. There's an oak grove. There's a pecan grove right down there. Where's that? That's the water. It's the truth. They shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Keep this in mind and go to Luke. We're going to build here. We're building, okay? Luke 6. 
Luke 6, 43. And we'll read to 49, to the end of the chapter. 43. I want you to think about what we just read, and then read this. And knowing this, that Jesus is the living word. He's the word in the flesh. And look at what comes out of his heart right here. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good measure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. 46, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently. Ah, I say it wrong every time. Vehemently, I say it wrong every time. Against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. If you just read Jeremiah 17, Jesus is the word in the flesh, you just read it again backwards. Jesus is a preacher, and he changed it up in front of you, and you didn't know it so you could hear it again. And some of you heard the word of the Lord the first time, and it struck your heart, and some of you heard it this time, and it struck you. He flipped it. The last verse that we read was out of the heart. It's deceitfully wicked, and nobody knows it. And the first thing out of here is that you'll know the fruit by what comes out of their heart. And the Lord searches the heart, and I know it by what comes out of your mouth. The second thing that you read in this is about somebody whose roots went and dug deep. The second verse that we read was about the rivers and the, the trees that are dig deep, and their roots go deep along the rivers, and they will not fear. They will not fear when the year of drought comes. And in the same way, this person who has dug deep and built a foundation will not fear when the flood comes. Did you see it? And the last thing was, cursed is the man who trusts in his own strength. Cursed is the man who tries to build his house his own way. Jesus is the word in the flesh. He's the preacher to give you the word. He's the preacher that preaches. He's the teacher that teaches. He's the pastor that's overseeing the flock so that you will hear and give adherence to the word. And some of you relate to being a tree or a shrub in the desert. Some of you relate to being a builder who's building a house. But out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. What is the ruin that comes? Did you see that? In the last verse there, verse 49. You see it? But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. God is a father who is building a house. We talk about this all the time, but he is building his namesake. 
for the sake of his name. When in the natural, we have someone who has built up a name for himself, that is his namesake. You can see it on all of our buildings around here, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Janelle Center, that is the namesake of someone. The Stevens Arena, that is a namesake of someone, right? The street names are a namesake of Chadburn and Cohenheim, right? And Bryant, and these are people's names. Beauregard and Harris, right? These are people's names. And you build up a namesake for those that have done righteously, usually, or had settled or founded something that we consider to be astounding or noteworthy or namesake worthy. God is asking his family to build up his namesake so that his glory is known throughout the entire world. And you're a part of the family of God that all that you do is building up God's namesake for his house, the house of the Lord. But we can see that we are flesh and we are dirt and sometimes even in our natural houses, the ruin can come. But God is one that takes even the old ruins and makes them new. How do we know this? Go to Isaiah 61. Yes? Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. We're going to read 1 through 7. Yeah? Because we can. (laughs) It's probably, it's all relevant, but we want to start at the beginning because we can't start in 61 and not start at the beginning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. To preach good tidings to the poor. This is the Father manifesting himself for you to give you life and life abundantly. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Here's your inheritance. To proclaim liberty to the captives. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's also known as the jubilee year of the Lord. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's the inheritance that we talked about. He is the testator of this will today. This is what you're hungry for today. This is what we want to see happen today in your life, in your children's life, in your parents' life, in your grandparents' life, in your aunts and your uncles. This is what we want to see happen in your workplace and those around you. This, did you see it? This, the exchange of your old life to the inheritance in Christ Jesus. The exchange of your old ways to the way of the kingdom of God, which you have now entered when those who call upon the name of the Lord make him savior and master. You hear it? Do you see it? Yes? To heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the jubilee year of the Lord, but yet also the vengeance of God. He'll give you oil of joy for mourning, praise in a garment that you wear, and he takes off the spirit of heaviness on your shoulders. That you may be what? The tree of righteousness Planted by the river that will not fear in the year of drought. 
And why is this? Because it's the planting of the Lord that his namesake may be glorified. Keep going. And they, these that have been redeemed, these that have the inheritance, they shall rebuild the old ruins. And the house of that man came to great ruin. But he says, you're going to rebuild your ruins. You're going to rebuild what else? They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. I want you to drop down to seven. You can read the rest, but let's go to seven. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, you shall rejoice. They shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. This is what I know that the Lord is talking about today. These old ruins is your household. It's your family. The former, just, just, the former desolations of generations, we see it in our own family, in our own house. But God looks at your generations. He looks at my generations and he says, I'm going to take you out of that house. And I'm going to put you in my house. And I'm not just going to keep that and make it a mess. But it's like the water that filled up the desert. The water that fills up the wilderness of our lives. The desolate places of our lives. It brings a restoration of the years and a promise for the future. It floods the past and makes a new pasture to go into. Do you understand what is, what's happening here? So the old ruins, that desolation that you might see in your life, it is the curse upon a curse. Right? The, sec to the second and third generations that we read about in Exodus. It's the iniquity that we have a propensity to. My daddy did this. I did this. My mama did this. I did this. Oh, that's, that's Grandma Harriet showing up in my son. Right? Because we're dirt. We are born of dirt. We're born of a flesh, and the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it, Jeremiah 17 said. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks. But God says, you might see it, Grandma Harriet, there. But that's the former generation. That's the former desolation. And we're going to repent, and we're going to turn it, and we're going to flood it with living water, and we're going to plant, for my namesake, a new generation. And it doesn't go past that. That's the deliverance of our God. That is what deliverance is. That is the ministry of reconciliation that you are now an ambassador of, it says in Corinthians. You are an ambassador of this ministry of reconciliation. And the Lord is looking at our families. He's looking at our families. And where we have lost hope, take heart. Where you have lost hope, take heart. Where you have lost hope, take heart. Dig the ditch. Dig the ditch expectant. Sometimes we try to pour the water on our relatives. Sometimes we try to dump the water on our, 
those that we long for them to come into the house of God. But there's a new way to prepare. There's a new way to soften the ground. There's a new way to till. There's a new way to plow, and it's in the spirit and prayer. It's in the spirit and prayer. If you're going to dig a ditch, you're on your knees or close to it. Yes, that is the truth. Rest. Anybody who's dug a ditch knows how close you are to the earth. Closer than you want to be. But not when it's in the spirit. And if you dig the ditch, the former desolations can be filled full with the living water. That's what God wants us to see. That's what God wants us to see. Let's go to Malachi. Part of the devil's scheme is to cause ruin in marriages and families and take away our inheritance and our family realm. This is mainly the desolations and ruins that we repair and we are called to see repair in Isaiah 61. Now we may look at our families with divorce and that is the number one way that America has turned from God. The devil didn't attack through the media first. He attacked the family first. As if you can unravel the family, that is the epitome, that is the metaphor, that is the analogy, if you would, of what it looks like in heaven. The father and his sons, male and female. The son and his bride. And the family of God. And many, many, many decades ago, we saw it in our country, the family was what was hit first. And now we can see the desolations of the generations, where there is no family unit. And what it looks like is, how do you know God then? How do you know what God's kingdom looks like if you don't know it in your own house? And we constantly labor with the saints to show them who the father is and who their identity is as a son and a daughter. In the house of God. Because that identity has been lost in the natural. And that's where it has to start in the house of the Lord. That's why one of the first things that you are taught in this place is who are you in Christ? Who are you? Who are you? And one of the first ones is I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. A daughter is always a daughter, and a son will always be a son in the house of the Lord. Always. Malachi 2. Malachi 2, verse 10. The Lord wants to restore our families. He always will. (laughs) He always will. Because that's where his namesake can truly grow. That's where his namesake can truly shine. Verse 10. I want you to hear this from the the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm going to hear it from you, not from the devil. Yes. Have we not all one father? Wait, what? Have we not all one father? He's speaking actually to the, the Jewish people here. He's speaking to the priests to the house of the Lord. This is the same that Jesus said. He looked towards his disciples and spoke to them. Malachi is not speaking to the law. He's actually speaking to the family of God and, yea, even to the ministers of the house of the Lord, the heads of the house. And his first question is, are we not all 
of the Father? Are we not all born of him? We are children of God. Yes? Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? By profaning the covenant of the fathers. This is the covenant of the Holy Spirit nowadays in the New Testament. Keep going. Judah, that's the Jews. Judah has dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and Jerusalem for Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution which he loves. What is this institution? Marriage. The family unit. All the way back here. Yes. 400 years before Jesus. Yes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The devil doesn't change his tactics either. It's marriage. It's the wedding covenant that he's talking about. It's the family. It's the institution of the house. That the Lord, what does he do? He loves it. And what does he see happening in the spirit? He has married the daughter of a foreign God. In the spiritual realm, the profane thing, the abomination is that you gave your heart to another. You didn't hunger for me now. You became satisfied in the spirit and just like Solomon gave your heart to a foreign God. You got satisfied with my spirit. You got satisfied with my presence and did not hunger or have that impoverished desire for more now. And you gave your heart to another and in the spirit I see it as you have betrayed me. My name is Jealous, it says in, Eze- in, in Exodus. And I am a jealous God. And when your eyes look to another, and when your heart is given to another, the ring on my finger burns. Because I have betrothed you to me, it says in Hosea. I have betrothed you to me. I have been keeping you for my son. What are you doing giving your heart to another? And when that happens, it causes a division, a division, which eventually leads to a divorce. And it was happening in the heart of Israel, and then it manifested in the flesh and in the physical, because in the spirit, it always happens first before it shows up in the flesh. And that's why most divorces, when it comes down to this place, it's because the heart has already been there. Months, years before. The heart has already been divided before you come to that physical point. And you have to go and heal all the way back to there. It's not usually the thing that just blew up yesterday that that's why we're getting it. It's because of there, the root of it. The root of it, yes? You with me? But God does not long for this. He loves the house. He loves marriage. He loves the institution of it. Or 12. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this being awake and aware. It's different if you didn't understand. It's different if you're naive. It's different if Grant Hill hasn't stood up in front of you and told you what it is. But if you knew and you did it on purpose, that's the betrayal. That's That's the wound in the heart of God. You blatantly did this because you're a minister in the house of the Lord. You've read my word. You know what it says. And out of your heart, your mouth is speaking. And those who say, Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say. (laughs) Luke 6. 
Keep going, right? The man who does this and yet who comes and gives an offering to the Lord of hosts and comes and worships on Sunday. 13, and this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, with repentance, right? That shows and everybody sees you there. So he, the Lord, does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands that you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth. The intimate place. He sees the heart. I am the Lord who sees your heart. I know, right? Jeremiah 17, I see the intentions of your heart. The heart is deceitfully wicked. I see your most intimate place of your heart, of your heart, between one and another. And what does he say? In whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. I want you to know what treacherous means, all right? Treacherous, this is a violation of allegiance. Treacherously, a violation of faith. Treacherously, a violation of confidence. That's all it takes. And God sees where there has been a violation in the house. And that's often what has wounded us from our fathers and our mothers, where we have felt like there has been a violation of our faith in them, where there's a violation of our trust in who they're supposed to be. Even a violation of allegiance. I will never be like that man. I will never be like that woman. That treacherous, that spirit that comes to divide. And you're like, but they might have deserved it. But that's where God says there's forgiveness. Because true forgiveness is Jesus on the cross looking at us who deserved what he got, but didn't get it. And he looked at us and said, forgive you. You don't know what you were doing. And even if you did, I forgive you. And true forgiveness, we know, and we teach this, is not acknowledging that what somebody did is right, especially if they've wronged you. But you acknowledge that, God, this has been wronged. This was a wrongdoing that has happened to me by my mom, by my dad, by my grandfather, that I choose to let you have the judgment and not me. I know that they have wronged me, but I forgive them. And it is not mine to make right, but it will be yours to make right. I let go, and it is yours to finish. That is true forgiveness. That gets, gets the root of it, and that's what this country needs the most. That's what your families need the most, is that level of forgiveness. That level of the cross, of truly understanding how much Jesus forgave us. Because if you really know how much he forgave you, then you can really truly forgive those around you to the place where it heals the soul and heals the family and the generations of desolations is restored. That's the only thing that will actually do this. We realize that. There's no counseling in the world that will fix our families in America. We are past the point of there being any restoration, nonetheless a future in the families of America. We have to have the forgiveness of Jesus truly go there 
and pull it all up and cleanse it and wash it and burst forth living water that will restore the old and bring a new. Because he loves the institution of his family in marriage. Yes, he does. Yes? Verse 15. We, I, I use this in weddings. I don't know if many people do, but I do. Did he not make them one? Having a remnant of his spirit? Who's he talking about? The bride and the groom. He made them one. How? By his spirit. When it's done before the Lord, when you get married before God... He seals it. He seals it. It's his holy institution. When you set yourself to do it before the Lord, it's like he's there and he puts his seal on it. With the remnant of his, just a little, (laughs) a little branding, if you would. And why did he do this? Why did he make them one? as the Father and the Son and the Bride are one. Why did he do this? For godly offspring. And there is a, maybe not prevalent, but there is a nagging thing that the devil likes to do, that if you're brought up into the church, if you're brought up in the house of the Lord, then you have to leave so you can experience the world and come back and really know what God has done for you. And it's such a lie. It is, it is such a lie because the Lord looks at the family and says, praise God, I will have godly offspring. I will have godly offspring when we raise up children in the house of the Lord. No, yes, we have to fight because the opposite way is religion. You have to fight the works mentality of how to know God and make it of the spirit. And I think we understand that in this house. We have to be of the Holy Ghost so that they encounter the spirit. And not just this is how you go to church and this is what you do. Because yeah, that will drive them away from the way of the Lord. But that's not actually the way of the Lord. That's the way of a religion. But when you have that hunger now, when you have that I'm impoverished now, your children hunger now. Your children see it now. Your children experience now and taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't fall for the lie that your children have to have a time away from God to know him more. Such a lie. But no, how I long and I desire that I should never leave the house of the Lord in Psalm 27. This is my desire that I could stay and dwell in his presence all the days of my life. All the days. From the babe that was just born all the way through, what a testimony. Anything that the Lord has asked you to do, you will receive a reward. If you... If God asks you not to sleep, he will give you sleep. Press down, shaking together, running over into your lap. If he asks you not to eat, he will give you food. Press down, shaking together, running over into your lap. If you give to God, he will give you now. If we give our children to the Lord, there is such a blessing that will fall upon you. <laughs> it, you will not just see in this life, but in the life and the life and the life to come. 
The blessing goes to the thousandth generation. Abraham is looking now because he gave up. He gave up to God trying to have a child. He gave up and said, I will give it up. It's in your hands. I give it to you. And now he has so many children by the Spirit of God, it is more than the sand on the seashore. <laughs> Truth. How much more so to you? Anything that I have seen that I gave up in my life, I see such an abundance of it now. If I gave it up in high school, I'm like, I see so much of it around me right now. As a fast unto the Lord. Do you know what I'm saying? Like giving unto the Lord. The giving of digging a ditch will fill it more than you thought you could fill. He does it. Yes? 15 is where we'll end. Yeah? But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why did he make them one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit. That none of you deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Now remember, that's a spiritual place. God is calling out the spirit. Where in your heart, you have, or you are trying to have a violation of allegiance. A violation of faith. Or a violation of confidence between one another. This isn't just between husband and wife. This can be between father and son. This can be between daughter and son. This can be between daughter and mother. That treacherous of the spirit that causes the divide. And it's easy when it's rampant in our country. Because we've had desolations of the habits of this is how you do it. This is what it looks like. This is what it is. But if the Lord would come and bring the oil of gladness for that spirit of heaviness, the inheritance starts now. The inheritance starts now. And the forgiveness can start today if you hunger for it. Amen? Let's stand and let's pray. And if you have need of a prayer for ministry, we'll be up here. And we bless you. So Holy Spirit, yes. We say yes and amen. That you are the one who restores the old ruins and makes the former desolations prosperous again filled with life and joy and we will have a double portion in this life is what it says in your land is what it says in Isaiah 61 and I thank you that you are the preacher who brings good tidings that heals that delivers that saves that blesses that anoints our head with oil and sets us free in the year of our Lord and we honor it Lord in Jesus name we pray amen This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.